Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders, leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect, and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. There's some times where I feel like my lawyer says this to me, he says, Laura, you're shadow boxing yourself. <laughs> I'm like, that's so sad. <laughs> Don't waste your time doing that. So sometimes I remind myself, like, you know, make sure that you're fighting the good fight, that you're, everything you do is moving towards the outcome that you want to see achieved in the community. Those are the inspiring words of Laura Thompson, Managing Director of Spark Health Australia and Clothing the Gap. Laura is a proud Gunditjmara woman. Spark Health is an Aboriginal-owned and led social enterprise specialising in health promotion and meaningful Aboriginal community engagement. Clothing the Gap is a fresh and dynamic fashion label and social enterprise managed by health professionals that celebrates Aboriginal people and culture. Clothing the Gap supports Spark Health's work to add years onto Aboriginal lives. A quick shout out to our Patreon family and we'll get right back to Laura. I wouldn't be in a position to make this podcast each week without the support of our Patreon family, including Levi, Tanvir, Lucia, Judy, Jules, Sally, McCartan, Stuart, Joel, Misha Times 2, Bonnie, Olivia, Lyndon, Joe, B, and Will. This fantastic squad helps me to shape the direction of the podcast through their advice, ideas, guest referrals, and ongoing feedback. If you want to support the growth and future sustainability of Humans of Purpose, I encourage you to join our Patreon community. By supporting me to make Humans a Purpose, you're getting behind independent and local content production in the form of conversations about the things that matter most. To support us, just hit the link in our show notes or head to patreon.com slash humans of purpose. So this was an awesome conversation uh, with Laura. Her work and passion for social change is legendary amongst our Williamson program group. I fell in love with the simplicity and effectiveness of Laura's work across both Spark Health and Clothing the Gap. I love the idea of advocating and supporting community through clothing. So right after our session, I bought a Free the Flag t-shirt, which you'll learn more about in this episode. It fits and feels awesome and makes me feel powerful when I wear it. I also bought a bunch of stuff from Homie following Nick's appearance a few weeks ago. It's worth mentioning here that Nick made the connection to Laura, but they're good friends, and recently did an awesome fashion line collaboration together, which is well worth checking out. I note that we recorded this episode in early mid-March prior to COVID-19 distancing restrictions coming into effect. So I love this conversation with Laura and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Laura, thank you so much for coming. This is a podcast I've been looking forward to for so long, possibly <laughs> a year plus. So great to have you uh, and welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Terrific. And look, I would love for you to take a few minutes to just Take us into your journey a little bit. Tell us a bit about your history, your background, your roots, um, your business, and everything that you're doing. I know that, that's a big ask, but um, <laughs> as much as you can in a couple of minutes, and we'll jump off into some questions. Sure. So I'm a Gundajamara woman. Um, I've got ties to Lake Conda and Framlingham missions, um, but my family moved to uh, Fitzroy and started the Aboriginal Community Controlled Organisations here. So I'm very much a Melbourne girl, I'm born and raised in Fitzroy, grew up in um, the Commission flats on the 11th floor um, 
And that was sort of my upbringing. I played a whole lot of basketball on the courts. Um, now, Still shoot hoops? Oh, I actually do. Really? I've retired a couple of times and come back. <laughs> awesome. I actually played in the statewide um, Aboriginal basketball tournament uh-huh. over the long weekend with my daughter for the first time. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So um, in terms of who else I see, my as I see myself as a as a mother, um, an auntie, and a friend, a sister girl, um, and now a boss. <laughs> yeah, a boss lady as <laughs> well, like lady. the works. <laughs> yeah. And so what's the journey like there? So um, obviously how I came to know a bit about you was uh, through Clothing the Gap and your mm. wonderful socks that became mm. a, a key cornerstone of every Williamson um, thank you to our, mm. to our guests. But we'd love to hear just a bit about Clothing the Gap Um the journey there and then into Spark Health as well. Yeah, great. Um, I'm so excited to hear that the socks meant something to you. Yeah. Um, Clothing the Gap is a fashion label that supports the work of Spark Health. Um, both are Aboriginal-owned and led businesses um, and Spark Health has a philosophy that it wants to add years to the lives of Aboriginal people. It's funny that everyone that's employed by Spark works for, obviously, Clothing the Gap as well, but there's four of us employed full-time, um, three Aboriginal women, and we all have public health backgrounds. So we literally are a, a health promotion prevention team who do fashion stuff to try and make money to deliver programs. Yeah. That's very cool. Mm. Um, I think it's very interesting. Uh, it's As I said before, I think it's a really interesting business model to have a social enterprise that supports the cause that you're working mm. in. Um, the other thing to say before you reflect on that is that the adding a few years onto people's lives is a tremendous um, sort of vision or purpose. I find that very exciting. It is, and um, that's where you're clothing the gap come about it's a play on the words closing the gaps the government initiative <laughs> um you know it should be obvious to people that I had that's a good what laugh the first time I understood that <laughs> yeah I, I think it's cool it's a way it's a the brand's a way that people can buy into it we we say that we're the health promotion experts we're self-determining our own future through business as a vi- using business as a vehicle if you want to support us well you can help us clothe the gap and let us work to close it. And it's also good because it sounds a bit like there's somebody with a lisp saying close the gap, which is like a kind of maybe the cute part of it that I thought was um, very very dad joke. So that's why I bought in big time. Well, it was funny because before we um, called our fashion label Clothing the Gap, we called it Spark Merch, very imaginative. Yeah. <laughs> and I spent a whole lot of time trying to convince non-Aboriginal people that it was okay for them to wear our Indigenous design gear. As soon as I changed the name and I had this epiphany that I'm going to call it Clothing the Gap, um, which come about when I explained to somebody, look, if you buy something, I was exhausted. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, look, you're helping close. I can't explain this anymore. I'm exhausted. <laughs> look, if you buy something, you're going to help close the gap, okay? And he goes, I'm in. I thought, oh, three words, close the gap. And then it come to me, Clothing the Gap. And it was like, no jokes from that moment. Yep. We sold so much more stuff. <laughs> I reckon that's super interesting. Like the only piece of merch that I can remember in recent times having a political message attached to it mm. is the Trump Make America Great Again hats. Yeah. And that's like, you know, uh, <laughs> just gross. But um, to see that as being a reason why people would buy something in Australia, mm. which is not a country where you see a lot of people with political slogans all over themselves, uh, is really interesting. And I would never have, if you, you know, did a market study or something and you asked experts in their opinion, 
I, I doubt whether very few of them would have said, put a political statement on your shirt and you'll sell them. Mm. I guess it just sort of talks to um, the new age and the new generations and sometimes the, you know, and sometimes the older generations who are looking, who generally want to do something about the state of Indigenous affairs and the health in this country. And sometimes and often the issues can feel overwhelming and buying a T-shirt and allowing Aboriginal experts in the field to do their work is a simple, small way that people can buy into that. Well, it seems very direct and easy and beneficial and I think that's something where the social enterprise model or vehicle has been really effective. It's sort of, you know, you buy this good or service, it directly funds X. So sort of you need this, you probably need some of these things anyway, like mm. people wear T-shirts, they wear socks, they wear hats. So you might as well do it in a way that creates a social impact with this community that is really important to you. Yeah, and the other thing is they, even if they're wearing the original tea, which just has clothing the gap embroidered in red, black and yellow, um, a hairdresser, for example, brought one and she goes, I had so many conversations. So many people asked me about this T-shirt and what it means. And it's like, that's why we create the T-shirts as well. Like, yes, it's a... We generate some income from it, but also we know that when people wear our T-shirts, we're able to infiltrate other communities and homes and other places all over the world now that are now having conversations around what is clothing the gap or why why um, should we have a T-shirt? We have a T-shirt called um, Not the Date to Celebrate and people are having these conversations mm. when we're not there, they're having them for us and that's cool. I think it's really cool. And I mean, the thing that we were talking about before about the Sox and Williamson, what they would do at Leadership Victoria is um, if you did an act of um, uh, ways to take the call and you sort of accept the call to do maybe a talk or a workshop or something, your reward is always the Sox. And and the Sox became such a staple of that program. But um, I received a pair early in the year and then one later in the year. And the second one that I received meant so much to me because it was sort of symbolic of a journey towards understanding um, towards um, starting to wear things with a bit more pride, so much so that they became my power socks, your your socks. And, um, you know, to this day, if I've ever got something big on, big occasion, and I've got to put my um, my, my RM Williams on, uh, they're always going on first. And um, the, the only thing to say about that is it's a shame they're not on the outside so I could have the conversation more. Mm. I'm busting with pride. Yeah. Like I did Williamson, um, which is a leadership program at – um, leadership Victoria for a whole year and, um, you know, I was the only Indigenous person in the room. I just felt a little bit like maybe I didn't belong, maybe I wasn't smart enough, maybe I wasn't good enough and um, people were so bright <laughs> in the room I thought maybe why am I here and I often just thought about the socks and I rarely contributed to conversations. And then at the end of the piece I approached the CEO and I said, look, I'll just really – love to redesign your socks and in some ways I know that's my legacy and it was important to me because just like the way we acknowledgement's important to me like acknowledgement of country is mm. important to me and that ceremony in acknowledging people for their time and contribution was important to me mm. and how we wrap Aboriginal culture and Indigenous knowledge up in the way we acknowledge all things in the world if I could wrap that into a ritual that already existed at Leadership Victoria, then I felt like that that would be incredible. Um, and I have spoken to participants who said, Laura, we read your story out about the socks. And I said, I briefed LV again and I said, that is not the point. Please never read the story out of the socks. Let that live on the website. Yep. 
let people interpret what it means for them. I'm when, really pleased to hear you say yeah. that because I, I think after about 200 occasions where people just said the same thing, like I get it, like mm. Laura Thompson, mm. closing the gap, blah, blah, blah. It was like reading a fact sheet. And I was like, this is not coming from the heart. No. Um, that, I don't sense the personal connection. So people started to actually vary it about halfway through the year and added their own personal insights and experience to the socks and um, linked it sort of maybe a bit to your journey and mm. mission. And I, I found that to be a lot better. Yeah, and that's what I wanted people to do was to reflect on their own day or journey and how that links or doesn't link. But let's not just say things for reasons that have you know don't have any meaning. Mm. Let's tackle something a little bit more thorny and just mm. just around maybe the problem that some people have um, with uh, non-Indigenous people wearing um, Aboriginal or Indigenous merch around. Mm. So I saw that um, one of the FAQs on the Clothing the Gap website is um, from probably a concerned person sort of or, or somebody just generally being curious, is it is it that fine line between um, supporting an Aboriginal cause as an ally or should you feel like be a bit careful because you might be culturally appropriating? Yeah, it's a question we get maybe twice a week. Um, and the worry is, I think, from non-Indigenous peoples, they don't want to seem to be um, culturally appropriating or being tokenistic. And our response is, please wear our stuff. Um, we want you to wear your stuff and with the right intention um, and your right values and understanding behind it, it's important for it's important that we see Aboriginal design in the world. We want to be visible in communities. Um, and Nova Paris said it really well um, in a statement she said recently was, when you embrace Aboriginal culture as your culture, you don't lose 200 years of history, you gain 40,000. <laughs> I'm like, it's beautiful. It's and it's so true. So, th- but you know, it's a shame that um, so many, so much of non-Indigenous Australia isn't quite comfortable yet. So that's what I love yeah. about the socks because yep. the socks are like you can hide them and you can show them. You called you them want. your uh, gateway merch. So, so you <laughs> just so it's the first thing, and it's like, oh, these socks are tremendous. They're my power socks. What about a power T-shirt? That would be a good step up. Yeah, and yeah. how people feel when they wear a power T-shirt or, you know, we can call it that. So if someone wears an Aboriginal flag T-shirt into a shop, whether you're Indigenous or not, you may experience racism. People have told me when they've put out um, Clean the Gap logo that it looks like the Aboriginal flag on their, on their cars, they've been called racist names before when they've changed names. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. It's fascinating. That's the reality of um, you know the racism that's experienced by Aboriginal people. I have to stay. chuck yeah. on my dot painting singlet, have a walk around, and see if I cop any awkward <laughs> looks, and sort of t- t- take a bit of a temperature check on that. <laughs> but I, I'm probably lack the awareness to do that well, but um, mm. certainly an interesting problem. But I, but I guess maybe part of that that's the overriding thing is you're supporting a cause that's doing good for for um, population and health and prom- health promotion by buying the merchandise um, and. Also, the power of that merchandise to start a conversation are probably the the two prime impacts. Yeah, exactly. We say it's more than a tea, it's a conversation yeah. starter. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So how do you sort of go about continuing that conversation sort of um, at, at the moment or during the course of your week? Are you having a lot of these sort of newish conversations or? Oh, small business, you're having new conversations all the time yep. and thinking, um, you know, at the moment with the coronavirus, mm. how, how do we continue to um, – deliver our programs, how do we be innovative. That's what I love about small business is yep. that we can really agile. Um, 
one of the new conversations I'm really enjoying at the moment is how do we support other black businesses? Mm. How do we um, create and talk to people about what does your wardrobe look like and what would it look like if your wardrobe was a black wardrobe? It's really yeah. exciting. Well, mine's pretty black. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a black T-shirt for those listening. Um, bad, another dad joke. You'll have to excuse that. What? So, I mean, that is really interesting to me. And I, I think the business continuity one is a sort of key one. I'm interested a bit about how businesses who are maybe non-Indigenous led mm. kind of engage with Spark Health and mm. um, how they kind of how do they are they kind of presenting as good potential partners? Oh. Uh, are the motivations? there and how does that play out yeah such a good question it's so exciting mm. I mean, ho- like i'm giving a shout out to homie as mm. one of like as the first business who did a collaboration with us on um an issue that's important to us which is the copyright of the aboriginal flag um they wanted to support us but more importantly they shared their experience and knowledge about how to run a social enterprise clothing brand with so much honesty and answer mm. those just some really practical questions. But they weren't afraid to talk about the financials, which is really cool, how yeah. hard it is, like who they use to make stuff. Like often in business we're quite guarded around those things yeah, and homey sure. weren't and um, kudos to them for that. And shout out to Nick Pierce who's two episodes ago. <laughs> oh, what well, a champion. He is a champion. The other thing that they're a champion about um, is not only did we do the collaboration piece in the lead up to Survival Day or Australian Day, Invasion Day, whatever you call it, we had created some placards with some messages on them like um, white Australia has a black history, not the date to celebrate. Homie's got a prime location on the corner of um, Johnson and Brunswick Street. Without hesitation, they allowed us to put those placards in their windows. Prime, like that was, they did that so proudly to support that, but what that meant not for clothing the gap, but for Aboriginal people in the community to see that business put those signs up and show their support. Mm. It's re- very, very hard to measure. Yeah, it's everything, isn't it? Yeah. That's a gesture for me that's sort of, you know, if you want to assess the intent of a business and its people, that that's everything. Everything. Yeah. And then uh, we think about who who are those other potential businesses that we like to partner with and we know that we've got that leverage with that. We've never exchanged any cash. We've just supported each other's causes along the way. When they recently went up to Indigenous communities in Northern Territory, we gave them some merchandise to take out to distribute there. Um, all those things, are, it's a genuine partnership and um, we're completely open to explore what future partnerships look like but um, on the one condition that our values are very much aligned yeah. in our purpose. Mm. So, I mean, that kind of maybe isolates the the thing that I was getting at. I can be very cynical in my thinking and sort of if I'm a business that's trying to look really socially responsible without maybe that core intent, um, have you ever come across that or do you sort of see a bit of that um, that that uh, operators in that space just trying to sort of cash in on the social capital of maybe partnering with Spark Health? I don't think they, I think it's very clear from everything we stand for um, and the issues we stand for that we're probably not that Aboriginal businesses yep. that might be, you might, you might want to black clad yep. with. Yep. Um, we're not that. And I think um, it's pretty obvious to other people that unless there's a genuine, and we knock work back if we don't think that it's aligned yep. with us. Yeah. It's a, it's a great response. I just raise it because in this environment where there's, uh, going to be probably a lot more purpose washing and impact washing. I suppose the same thing would apply to the Aboriginal social enterprise space. Oh, yeah, and it's a yeah. and it's an issue. Yeah, um, and it could be a growing issue. It's not for us. I mean, potentially we look at partnerships, and you know, I can tell, I can pick at 
early on whether or not it's somebody that I want to work with, to be honest. There might be clues in the way they write me an email, whether or not they've sort of learnt to capitalise the word Aboriginal yet. Like yeah. if, they, if they haven't done that yet. Well, then... I think you're quite good because you get people straight on the phone, which I think is an excellent uh, tactic. <laughs> when, when I spoke to, um, was it Nick? Was it Nick who got us together? Yeah, it, it was, was, wasn't it? Yeah. And then um, you said, give me a call. And I thought, that's great because, you know, you will know straight away whether I'm somebody who you want to take the time to talk to and yeah. um, we'll get a good, you know, feel for the um, for the vibe. And uh, I really like that approach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's good. Um Yes. So, um, and so maybe let's talk a little bit about the free the flag because I think that you've raised that a few times and we haven't gone into much detail about that. But what is that campaign about? Maybe um, for those our listeners who don't know, just sketch out a bit of the sure. sort of um, early history and sort of um, how things have progressed. So, oh, it's nearly the Aboriginal flag will turn fifty years old next year, um, July thirty one. I don't know. I'm terrible at my maths, but you know. Let's just let's just say fifty is a good attempt. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> and it was designed by an Aboriginal man called Harold Thomas. Um, there was a dispute later on about whether or not Harold had actually um, he was the actual original author of the you know of the flag that went to court. Um, he was awarded copyright, and then he then went on to license the Aboriginal flag to different companies. One of them, which is Carolyn Richardson or Flag World, who produced the flags. And one is Wham Clothing, who produces the, the Aboriginal flag on clothes, and then the other one is a souvenir company called um, Gifts Mate. And all of those, they're the only three people that have licences and they were worldwide exclusive licences to use the Aboriginal flag. So being an Aboriginal woman myself, I wanted to, um, I'm wearing the Aboriginal flag T-shirt now, um, put the Aboriginal flag on clothing and I knew that it was copyrighted. I had reached out to Harold um, earlier to be one of those people to be able to use it, but I didn't realise it was worldwide exclusive. Um, he never got back to me and the process was really odd because you had to like write to him and he's a he's an older man. He lives in Humpty Doo. He didn't have an email and he only had a P.O. box. I'm imagining like his P.O. box oh like, just full of people trying to say, can I please <laughs> yeah, use the yeah. Aboriginal flag? I'm he's thinking. probably done that for a reason. He's like, oh, too many inquiries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just one yeah, worldwide yeah, yeah. exclusive <laughs> licence. Um, so then... Being, I don't know, we've kind of called ourselves like the good people that break bad rules. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we thought this rule kind of sucked. So the rule that was I'm not allowed to use my flag unless I get permission and unless I pay. From this Harold guy who only has a PO box. Exactly. So we created, and I knew it was copyrighted, so I did this deviation on the flag and I sort of, you know, put some different shapes in the background um, oh, so that's what why you've done that to sort of make it like not exact. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So a variation on the Aboriginal yep. flag to hopefully get around the copyright. Yep. Um, and people enjoyed it. We really care about our products and the quality of our products and who makes our products. Um, so people got around it, and we got a cease and desist from Wham Clothing, who are the license holders, and they said you've got three days to sell your stuff. Um, the community got around us and brought us out, and then from that point on. Um, we've never sold any Aboriginal flag stuff anymore, but we decided that we're going to start a campaign to free the flag. Um, we didn't want anyone. We don't. We don't believe anybody should control a, a public asset. It's it's the craziest <laughs> thing to imagine that someone does. Like, mm. how, I mean, have you heard of other cases where people have copyrights on a flag for things? Like- no, it's the only flag in the world that has a copyright on it. So if I was making. Um, T-shirts with the Australian flag on it wouldn't be penalised. Mm. I wouldn't have to ask for permission or American flag or whatever flag. As long as you're respectful of the flag and you don't 
disrespect it in any way, then you're fine to go ahead and produce it. I just started to think that was really unfair. We started a petition and we've gotten over 50,000 people signed the petition that we should change the licensing agreements around the Aboriginal flag. Um, we want to see more black flags mm-hmm. in the world. We don't think people should have to pay or ask for permission. Um, so, yeah, then we started this movement to free the flag and now we sell free the flag merchandise. Um, Carla Scotto, a climate change artist, um, donated a awesome always was, always will be designed for us in the shape of the flag that, that has gone on to be um, one of our best sellers in the store. Um, so certainly through Clothing the Gap we've been able to create a movement and we've allowed people a way to buy into it. So certainly when people buy a tease, they're buying into a conversation. Mm. It's very powerful. And so you're looking for more people to support that or it's kind of tracking along at the moment you're waiting for outcomes? Yeah, look, you know, the petition was tabled in Parliament and a motion was passed, but apparently that doesn't mean anything. It's just symbolic. I'm like, oh, I know. Look, with this government at the moment, I don't know, like we've spoken to a whole range of lawyers. I have a brilliant pro bono law firm working for us on the case um and whether or not this ends up in the courts or whether or not this just becomes a political campaign where Mm. we continue to campaign um i'm not sure yet but i'm on the journey and this this just watching sort of the way you talk about it and your sort of reaction Mm. this this is everything to you right? oh someone asked me um laura but when are you going to stop when's your what's you know your line in the sand when you go that's enough i'm like what a stupid question. <laughs> like, you know, it's your flag. Like, it's not just a flag. It's it's everything, you know. Um, my And my auntie, Alma, who's very well respected in the community, I went to see her about it and I said, uh, there's so many brilliant Aboriginal activists and people. Am I the right person to be leading this campaign? I felt like I needed to ask her that. And she said, yes, you are. I thought, oh, I needed that validation. Um, was that important to you to very have a, important. Sort of a senior, an auntie sort of give you that um, sense of approval to go ahead? Yeah. yeah. And, like, I know I'm 40, but I still feel young in community to be leading something. Um, and she told me this story of my mother who's no longer here, but she used to love the Aboriginal flag. Now, we talked about the flag being 50 years old. My auntie's 75. She wasn't born into the flag, so it doesn't um, – it's not her identity. Mm. So she she was alive before there was a flag that represented her. Yep. But my mum was the youngest, and she said, look, your mum carried around this Aboriginal flag bag, and my mum was an Aboriginal health worker, and she would visit new mums in their homes, and she would say that when she knocked on the door – it was the Aboriginal flag bag that gave her entry. Hmm. It created this sense of safety. It was almost like an, a key into places. And I feel that way when we see the Aboriginal flag and we think about cultural safety, the first thing people do to make a place culturally safe is display both the flags. Yes. Yeah, you that know? is true. Yeah, so when you're an Aboriginal person and you see the flag someone, you you feel a little bit more at ease, like this, maybe this is a place where you actually belong. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to as a result of this um, copyright, we are seeing less Aboriginal flags in the world, you know, the AFL, NRL, none of those cricket local communities, they're not using the flag anymore. 
And um, I, I noticed that sort of the AFL tends to revert more back to its its own Aboriginal um, people or players or artists in those clubs mm. designing jumpers for the rounds, which sort of gets them conveniently away from that, um, makes that flag thing less of an issue for them maybe. Yeah, and we'll see when Indigenous round comes up in if, May. If AFL happens this year. Well, that's right. I know. It's very scary. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's the free the flag movement. I'm committed. And I think for anyone that's um, committed to a cause, there is no line in the sand um, in terms of when when you give up. But yeah. on that journey, how do you learn, like, to be an advocate for something so important? Do you, Did you know how to do that before? Is it a learn-as-you-go thing, becoming the leader of a sort of a really symbolic and important um, advocacy campaign? Um, definitely learning as I go and taking care of yourself, I think, is really important because um, just having that uh, resilience and good health to be able to keep the journey and stay strong in that um, and not get caught up in the emotions of it. Do you too. have um, sort of lulls or moments where you feel defeated and you have to kind of get back on your feet? There's sometimes where I feel like my lawyer says this to me, he says, Laura, you're shadow boxing yourself. <laughs> I'm like, that's so sad. <laughs> Don't waste your time doing that. So sometimes I remind myself, like, you know, make sure that you're fighting the good fight, that you're, everything you do is moving towards the outcome that you want to see achieved in the community. Um, and there's numerous ways that this Free the Flag um, movement can play out. And the three main ways, I, I believe, are whether, you know, we in terms of campaigning, we continue to campaign to free the flag. We do what's, you know, we talk about this as kind of um, disruption where we as a mob of people go, it's our flag. You can't tell us not to use it. Mm. And if everyone does it, mm. Mm. <laughs> then what's what's Wham and all the licensees and how are we going to do it? Are they going to sue every black fellow who puts the flag on their T-shirt? Yeah. Um, and then play that out in court. And this argument of we've got, as a people, we do, we've got an implied right to use this flag. Yeah. Or we design a new one. Well, uh, that's very interesting. And mm. I think what you said there, I mean, I studied law and I, I'm not, don't profess to be an expert because I never really practised uh, per se, but there must be some kind of um, people's right um, to a flag that's sort of part of their self-determination and national identity. And I, I am amazed and, and probably that's evidenced by the fact that only one flag has had that applied to it, that something like this could happen. Yeah. Uh, given, you know, nationality in a flag is... A flag is foundational to nationality and you know, a people's sense of who they are, their history and um, mm. how they are um, able to act proud of their history and their collective identity. It's uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a massive shame that it's sort of come to this in a way. Yeah, and I hope that, you know, at some point it will be resolved. It's just I don't know how and I don't know when. Yeah, mm. yeah. So let me pivot slightly because I do want to ask you a bit about um, Spark Health and so health promotion activity in general. Do you focus more on or do you think more about uh, the the exercise part or the eating healthy part? Great question. And does that come up a lot? Yeah. <laughs> I think when um, people think about preventative health measures, they focus on health and diet. And we do talk about that, but we talk about it in a fun way. We like to say um, – we don't do health education, we do health entertainment. Because <laughs> health education can be really boring and people yeah, know a boring. lot of it. It is. And mm. people know the basics. But the question is how do you get people to engage in the content? Yeah. So we do recommend a daily intake. Bingo! <laughs> 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 An 
it works. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the price is right. How to eat healthy on a budget. That's like, a game-showing health education. That's pretty cool. much. Like, That's cool. Otherwise, people don't want to come. Can you do married at first sight health education? <laughs> I reckon we could try. <laughs> um, but, but the biggest and the best way to make a difference in this space is by focusing on health environments, which hasn't got me a very popular naming community. I'm that person who comes in and, like, drags the vending machine out. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. how do you make the healthy choices, yep. the easy choices? Because we can talk to an individual about food and diet, but if that's hard for them to make those changes. But if we change how a whole festival or carnival mm-hmm. looks, mm-hmm. then that's going to make the biggest difference. Well, I mean, it's, it's so true. And I think mm-hmm. the idea that people make decisions largely based on context and environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you sort of follow any of the trials I've done at, you know, hospitals like the Alfred and they're, mm-hmm. you know, putting – you keep the vending machine but you just slightly tweak the prices so the water's cheaper and mm-hmm. soft drinks are more expensive. You put the water at eye level and the, the real Coke down the bottom. I mean, so much that you can do now. Yeah, but I'm really like I just take it all out. Yeah, <laughs> direct approach. <laughs> I yeah. know. And, Remove it. And people say the community is gonna die of diabetes because they couldn't get sugar, <laughs> yeah. and it's your fault. Like no jokes. I had yeah. that. I'm like, no, there's some jelly beans in the first aid kit. You'll, find, be you'll fine. find enough sugar. You'll find <laughs> enough sugar somewhere else. I suppose that that. Um, the luxury of a, a nudge type of intervention like that is, you know, for like a largely not not so obese, not not a lot of chronic health issues yeah. in a hospital environment in an affluent area <laughs> is incredibly different to the areas you've worked in. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Like this, I say to the mob, I'm doing this because I love and care for you. Yeah. I don't want to see you. I feel sad watching you drink a can of Coke because mm-hmm. this is not mm-hmm. your first Coke for the week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably your third can for the day. Oh my God. Yeah. Like this is honestly, this really? is really three, what, three. Yeah. You seem worse. Yeah. Worse kids drinking soft drinks. They're waking up having a Slurpee, hate Slurpees, <sighs> um, all of those things. So it's uh, role modeling, having that stuff shown in an environment um, with the Futural Stars Footy Club. We pretty much made it. Which club, sorry? Fitzroy Stars yep. Football Club. Yep. <clears throat> we done a health promotion program with them where we just sort of ban sausages and then spend a little bit more money on the food that they serve, but they served healthy barbecues with vegetables on their barbecues. Yeah, awesome. And everyone complained, but then initially, and they go, this is wonderful. I love this food. This is great. I'm going to do this at home. And, then you and that's part. Yeah. So, is that a big sort of lever for change in that space? Is people bringing it home and saying to the family, "I, I ate this way the other day. This was really good and healthy. Can we do this?" Yeah, I think demonstrating that is really important. Yeah, so it becomes the new norm mm. in the places that they go, and then hopefully it becomes a norm for them when they in their home. And how important is having um, role models in, in sport and things like that to kind of getting driving the message home with youth? Yeah, like there's so many of them. Hmm. Like that's that's the cool thing. I don't never struggle to find a role model or ambassador um, in the community. It's like how do I give everyone an equal amount of profile in this space? Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, there is. And like whilst there's um, lots of people, you know, struggling with different things, there's usually an absolute champion at home who's trying to bring people along on the journey, um, on a health journey. And in the programs we run, we like to say we're the team for people who are part of a team and we become almost like a team of health change makers who are like want to get healthy ourselves but then take that those habits home and then bring other people on the journey too. 
Mm. That's very cool. Um, and what about uh, sort of your own lifestyle and in the workplace too? Are you somebody who lives like a saint at home or? No. Oh, God. <laughs> in community, if I've got anything, like if I've even got a Diet Coke, they're like, what are you drinking? Can't get <laughs> away with anything. No, like let alone wine. Um, I have to drink that in the toilet. No. <laughs> um, no, I've become, I think, in lots of ways, like the person that people think leads a completely hundred percent, you know, healthy, don't eat anything bad. And like, that's not just me. That's my whole team. Like, um, we all work the, uh, walk the talk in terms of our own health Mm. in our workspace. We've got stairs and we carry up loads of merchandise and the whole time we're walking up. We, we've just recently travelled to Kokoda, so we're training. Training for Kokoda. You no, done Kokoda recently? Yeah, with, with a group I know. How was it? It was incredible. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're not going back this year, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, um, we're planning to do that every yeah. year. Good for you. I know. But and we, the team. That's awesome. And we took a, um, a group of young Aboriginal men last year as well. Wow. Yeah. So, anyway, so as we're walking up these stairs, we're – our hands are always full and we're like training for Kokoda. No one ever complains about doing that physical work. And then when we're not training for Kokoda, we're training for life. And, like, it's very much part of um, just the fabric of our work environment. There's not a chocolate. No one brings chocolate. Mm. We don't have cake. No one brings that stuff into the space. Yeah. And it's we, we so wouldn't it's like do it. happy birthday. He's uh, your carrots and hummus. Pretty much. Yep. Because... We know that we're going to get that cake at home. At some point, we're going to have cake yep. for our birthdays. But we just all want to support each other in that. In that, If someone brought lollies in, we'd look at them. Why did you bring those in? Now I'm going to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring those foods in again. Like, I'm really glad I didn't <laughs> offer you a bowl of uh, Ellen's lollies. I no, because I would have eaten it. You would have. Yeah, you, you might have gone there. Might have gone there. Um, so exciting times. I mean, what is what are you most excited about with uh, with your work, both at um, Spark Health and Clothing the Gap? So excited. Um, Clothing the Gap's just become its own company, which is incredible. And Spark Health um, will continue to exist, but we're actually starting a not for profit called Weller. Wow, which is cool. Like we never imagined that two years ago that mm-hmm. we'd do that. Um, what I'm most excited about what we've been able to create in two years is for everyone who is working in community services or Aboriginal community control to think about how do we deliver health outcomes for people but not in the traditional models of government-funded yep. programs. Um, that's exciting to me because when we move out of funded models, we start to put our participant or our person that we're trying to work with at the core and we're looking to provide them the best services that they can get and competition in any market is incredible incredible for the end user um so i'm really excited about people rethinking about how we deliver health services and whether businesses play a part in that that's incredibly exciting yeah and then with clothing the gap um it has so much more reach than the work we do at Spark Health in terms of the number of people um, and terms of that education platform. It's really nice to know that we can talk about any issue that's important to us and that's going to reach people. Yep. That's powerful. That is powerful. (laughs) And I think, you know, conversations like this, something I'm going to take away is to buy more in line with my values and beliefs about how I want society to be in the future. And I think core part of that will be to do some buying and re- redesigning my wardrobe a bit, um, using Clothing the Gap, but also Homey as well, and sort of how can I support communities through my purchase decisions. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that, that'll be really big. Um, I might ask, you know, just because you're speaking to quite a significant audience now, and probably most of them are not Aboriginal, how, how would you, if you had to give any advice about how they can play a bigger role in, in uh, being an ally and mm. supporting um, Aboriginal people in Australia, um, you know, over the next year, what might they do? It's a great question. I think, I think educate yourself. Like there's a whole range of resources and great books and places that you can go to learn more. Um, certainly as an Indigenous person, then I don't want to, it's not, I don't want to spend my time necessarily educating people about the history of this country. One, because it kind of re-traumatises me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something that's particularly nice to talk about. If someone wants to talk to me about business or T-shirts, I'm like totally in, into it, free the flag. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about the stolen generation particularly, like that stuff that we can that you can read about and it's really important that people learn about. Um yeah, that, that would be the first thing. Um, so that's a good one, mate. Maybe I'll just sort of pause yeah. for a second and say that what you just said there is key and I, I think maybe a lot of people who don't have experience speaking with, with Aboriginal people think that when you meet an Aboriginal person, you, you just get them to explain the world to you. <laughs> and and that, that seems like probably it's quite a burdensome thing to do to someone else. Mm. Um, so just being sort of mindful and respectful of that space role and maybe desire for that conversation or not yeah or like oh, by all means ask questions but have some basis of knowledge behind mm. the, the the next bit that you want to know um and hang out in black spaces is cool mm. like you know eat at what black are some black spaces let's talk a bit about yeah that. like um well there's some cool festivals going on mm-hmm. last year i went to in the city of melbourne their urine boy festival like that was incredible and that's open to everyone so what are those festivals you can go to where you can Immerse yourself in um, Indigenous excellence, yep. but also around more Aboriginal people. Yeah, um, I think that's 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 a great opportunity. Um, that's critical, and I think um, I just unfortunately missed the Dream Lucid. Uh, yeah, I went there. I was good. Oh my god, it was so good. I was uh, <laughs> I was super excited to get the invitation, but was unfortunately away. Um, but that's something I'll be committing to going to if I can in years ahead. Absolutely. So cool, putting yeah. yourself in those spaces where you get to meet. Um, where you get to immerse yourself in the culture but meet other Aboriginal people too is great. And, you know, um, yeah, I guess they're, they're my main things. Looking to um, support Aboriginal business and is incredible as well if you can. And so to do that, maybe one would look at Supply Nation. Kind Supply of Nation supplies. and Kinaway um, Aboriginal Chamber of Commerce in Victoria has a listings of places. But there's... Some great, um, my favourite Instagram page, like there's so many, but there's one called, um, and give her, her a follow, she's incredible, her name's Olivia, and I just, I call her Black Business because she's the woman behind Black Business. And on that page, she's constantly um, talking about Aboriginal business, but she has these great, like the best, most, she needs to make her own business. She's works for free on this um, Instagram page, but she has these downloadable sort of, posts like how to be a deadly ally, how to celebrate NADOC week, should I wear non-Indigenous clothing, mm-hmm. um, black, all these. Black business. Black business. I'm going to yeah, look that up. You so should. And on it, not only does she promote how to get involved, she educates people along the way. She's all over it. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome and a really important point there. So I'm going to definitely check that out. Um, it's been just a pleasure having you yeah, today. Thank you. Uh, remiss of me not to ask a few more questions sort of about your own practices mm-hmm. and um you know, you're in an environment that requires, uh, I think, probably 
a lot of business acumen, a lot of learning. So I'm curious, how do you learn? Are you a big reader? Are you a podcast listener? How do you get your knowledge where you can? Um, no to both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I doodle, draw, very visual. I think that's when, like, if you think about how it created the socks for LV, it's yeah. all about how um, the acknowledgement the visual representation of values out in society. Um, I also think that less people are reading um, and less people are taking the time to listen to things. So I'm always thinking about how do I market something to someone very, very quickly to engage them. That's where my mind goes is this marketing and messaging branding piece. How do I hold people in something? Um, but I am trying to get better at reading. It's a thing in the office at the moment where everyone has to be reading a book at some time, just the same way as we focus on healthy eating, we're encouraging other people to do other healthy habits. It's like the brain training that's the other side of their healthy lifestyle. Um, Do you have like a a favourite, other than doing the stairs at work, do you have a um, favourite fitness thing that you do? At the park run, massive fan of park Mm -hmm. run, Um, and we've actually started four park runs in Victoria, contributed to that. Just hold up. What's park run? Oh, sorry. It's a free park run. It's a free 5K timed run that happens on Saturdays at 8 a.m. all across the world. Wow. I know, right? Um, So it's really accessible for communities to do, and it doesn't cost them anything, and it's ran by volunteers and it happens every week. And they they give you a time and stuff? Is that the sort of thing? They email it to you. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. I love the model. I love the sustainability of it. And um, one of my things is to work with Park Run to put that cultural lens on it so we can increase Aboriginal participation. Yeah. That's one of my projects. Um, but in the four Park Runs that we've had a direct input into, like City of Darabin, Echuca Park Run, they acknowledge country every week. They put the flags up every week. Um, they had a welcome to country when that run started. And as a result of that, those Park Runs feel very, very safe, and we see more Aboriginal people participating there in groups. Um, the other thing I've just started doing probably in the last six months is I've got a personal trainer. Ooh. The girls thought it, the girls at work thought I kind of needed it. I know. I'm like, <laughs> the cool thing about business, though, like if I need to go, the business can pay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's actually been really critical to my well-being. Um, and my strategy in staying strong in the So you found a good one, though, because that, that, that's the key part, isn't it? Yeah, well, I got I got a recommendation of somebody, and she's about 21 years old. She run your ragged? She does, but she's a bit like my therapist. She doesn't really have an opinion. She's like a hairdresser. I that's just... a great two-for-one right there, the, 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 uh, the trainer who is also the therapist. She doesn't get a word in. I'm just going, okay, this is what I did today. You will listen. You're on the clock. <laughs> and she'll go, yep, you've got five more to go. All right, okay. <laughs> that's it. So that's definitely helped and I've gotten stronger as a result. Yeah. Let me ask you something based on a bit of your comment that I picked up before. Um, as an Aboriginal person, if you to go somewhere for like a meeting or whatever and you don't see the flag or you don't sort of see acknowledgement of country happen at a meeting, what's that feeling like and kind of how does that is that kind of for you something that's uh, really noticed and like profoundly affecting your experience? I went to, I won't name the school, but I went to my child's high school and I didn't see the acknowledgement plaque as I walked in and I noticed it. I think when it's not there, you notice it. Yeah. You know, when it's there, if, if often sometimes it feels like a ticker box, but when they haven't ticked the box, 
then I wonder what other things are going on yep. that I'm not aware of. It does make a difference yep. to me, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. I have enjoyed this conversation so much. I must say, I want to thank you so much for coming in and chatting with me. Mm. Um, you probably didn't know, but you've been a huge part of my journey over the past mm. year and continue to be a really sort of positive presence in my sort of growth and learning journey. Um, how can people sort of learn more about you and your work and connect if they want to? Yeah. Um, so you can follow us on our Insta story. Like we're hilarious. Was <laughs> 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 Just quickly, I was um, camping at um, – Gary Word at the Grampians and we're at this beautiful little spot, Venus Bay. And the lady next to me, I didn't know, she said, are you um, from Clothing the Gap? Oh, I was Whoa. stoked. Whoa. I was like, oh, yes. Recognised whilst camping. <laughs> yeah. That's huge. I was like, yes. She goes, cool. I said, do you have some of our stuff? She goes, yeah, I've got one of your T-shirts. Which one? And we, we chatted about it. And I went back to the girls and I said, you know what? Someone recognised me from my clothing the gap, and I'm not stoked because I was recognised, but I was so proud that we had been able to create a relationship. Not, and I don't like to call them our customers; they're our fam or our supporters. Yeah. That we were able to. That was how we separate ourselves from, you know, Nike or the big brands. You never know who those people are behind those brands. I think you you guys are like merch with meaning. I would yeah. Say. Sort of, there's a lot to it, and it's sort of it's profound. Yeah, and so I guess if you follow us on our socials, you get a real sense of who I am, who the team is, and what we stand for. So it's and you've got, that. I forgot to mention, you're, mm-hmm. you've got a star-studded team of all-female. Is it all <laughs> Aboriginal or one's not um, Aboriginal? One's not Aboriginal, okay. but the rest are, yeah. Wow, what a, what a deadly team you got there. Unbelievable. I know. It's, um, yeah, they're the lifeline of the business, yep. um, you know, your biggest asset. No doubt are the people that you get to work with every day. Yeah. So people can hit the Clothing the Gap website. They can hit the socials, the Instagram, Spark Health. And if they want to talk to you, is there a way to reach you? Or Yeah, yep. like through, like they can message mm-hmm. or um, send us an email. Um, there's so many different ways to contact people now. I'm like, should Absolutely. I check my mobile, my Instagram, <laughs> my Facebook? Yeah. Um, I'm not so good at Twitter, but we're trying to get there. Um, the hubby's on charge of our Twitter. Is he? It's huge responsibility. <laughs> He's much better at it, stuff it up. I <laughs> know. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yep. You too. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word of mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com.